Hey everybody, Dave here. Want to remind you that Tales from the Backlog is listener-supported over on Patreon.com by cool people such as Chris Nelson and new patrons Chris Copline, Stylish Moonborn, Adam Bucheri, and Zulgeek. You can be like them and head on over to Patreon.com slash RealDaveJackson and you will be a hero just like them. All right, let's get to the show. My name is Dave Jackson, and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about a game that we played. My guest today is a good friend of the show, first-time spacefarer and host of the Main Quest podcast. Keith Gasper is back. Welcome back, Keith. Thanks for uh, inviting me back on my my second time, and uh, yeah, I am a spacefarer, right? I'm <laughs> flying deep into your black hole. <laughs> For people who have been following the show, Keith was a guest on the Earthbound episode, which is a really fun episode of the show. Highly recommend you go check that one out if you haven't listened already. And before we get into today's game, Keith, I want to give you a chance at the beginning to talk about what the main quest is all about. So the main quest podcast is a podcast dedicated to me playing all of my childhood games uh, from from very early childhood to I don't know maybe about early adulthood, uh, replaying all of those and trying to basically decide if they still hold up or not. Uh, surprisingly, mm-hmm. very early on, most of them don't, but they're getting <laughs> better. <laughs> uh huh. As the games get newer, yeah. Very very slowly, they're getting newer. I think I'm like firmly in like 1991 right about now. So. yeah and it's um so like the show's been going on for a while and you're just now getting out of the super or the uh the nes like i remember one of the more recent episodes at the time of recording that was released was you saying goodbye to all the nes games uh, on the show so this is a and this is something i said in the earthbound episode but it's something i really appreciate about your show and it's not just like i want to talk about all of my favorite games mm-hmm. from when I was growing up. It's everything that you can remember playing uh, and or owning, right? Yeah. Yeah. D- there's not a stone left unturned, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, some of it's, um, you know, obviously I couldn't buy video games when I was five years old. I have an older brother. So a lot of the stuff that was just in the house was just in the house. And it would be easy for me to say that my brother had absolutely horrible taste in video games. But (laughs) back in those days, like you just didn't know what you were going to get. So Mm -hmm. 
it's only partly his fault. <laughs> yeah, like uh, when I think about the games that I played when I was a little kid, it's it's a random ass grab bag of stuff. Like I'm I'm so much more selective now because I can be, but you're right. Back then it was like, oh, this this box this game has a cool like box art, so I'll I'll rent this game and play it or something like that. Like there's no I wasn't reading reviews when I was 10 years old. Right. Yeah. If you do go into my podcast, go into it knowing that it's not a nostalgia fest. It's I'm not gushing about the games. Some of them I am, some mm-hmm. of them not, but it, it's a very kind of like methodical picking apart and breaking down stuff. And, you know, they're, I mean, if you listen to the Earthbound episode, um, I do go into a lot of detail about the history of the game if it's out there. So uh, that's always mm-hmm. taken into consideration. But just because a video game's a classic doesn't mean it's worth playing. Yep. And I uh, wholeheartedly appreciate that as somebody who will we'll say uh, struggles to enjoy retro games from time to time. Um, but I really enjoy listening to uh, the main quest. Um, and again, I one of my favorite things is just like I rem- like you will bring up a game on the show and you're like, I remember playing this. Uh, no one does podcasts about this random ass game anymore i remember playing it so i'm going to do a podcast turns out this game fucking sucks and then those podcasts are super entertaining because i get to hear uh it's fun to hear you when you talk about a game that sucks and uh, i get to learn about a lot of games i've never heard of and you do go into the history and stuff like that um, and i enjoy listening to that stuff too i don't do history and history research on this podcast very often Uh, So I enjoy listening to someone who actually does do that stuff. So I recommend that everybody checks out the Main Quest podcast. Uh, If you want kind of an idea on like what that show is like, uh, our Earthbound episode is kind of like that, like you said. Um, But yeah, just go check it out. You'll find something on there. The Main Quest podcast is also not just retro games. Uh, From time to time, you do cover current games on there too. So uh, for people like me who are not trawling through the nes <laughs> yeah if, if you want my um i don't know when this is going to air actually but dave was actually on to talk about bloodborne so if you ever need to hear dave talk about bloodborne for the 50th time you can hear him and i talk <laughs> about it for three hours so yep if six hours of me talking about bloodborne on this podcast feed was not enough for you <laughs> there's three more hours over on the main quest feed yeah So everyone go check that out. Today, Keith and I are going to be talking about Outer Wilds. And I'm going to do my best to not say the Outer Wilds, because that's not what it is. Outer Wilds, a first-person exploration game developed by Mobius Digital, published by Annapurna Interactive in 2019. And I'm also going to do my best to say Mobius, Mobius, and not add a random R in that word somewhere today. So You don't want to morb out? (laughs) <laughs> it's it's mobin time morbin time mobin when this yeah. episode airs uh the morbius memes are going to be horribly out yeah. of date i'm sorry i, I just dated your podcast <laughs> uh well that's what pod that's what happens with podcasts they get they all get dated at some point so um if you need an elevator pitch for outer wilds you're not sure what it is it is a first person kind of narrative discovery game Uh, set inside of a time loop 
set inside of a working functioning mini solar system simulator. There you go. There's a lot going on. I've just I'm just laughing because I'm like, what are spoilers at this point? Because I feel like you just spoiled a lot of the game just now. Okay. So (laughs) the fact, this is a good time to talk about spoilers. All right. So the reason I am not going to be coy about the fact that this is a time loop game is if you go on Steam and look at the description, it's in the description. Oh, really? They wrote that there. That's fucked. So... I mean, I I heard this was a time loop like the second I heard about the game. So spoiler policy for the episode is uh, beyond what we just said. First of all, this is one of those games that people say, like, go into it with no knowledge of the game whatsoever. I disagree with that. But really, I may be the only person. Yeah, I I disagree. Yeah, you might be the only person. (laughs) I would like to know, like, how a game plays before I play it. I mean that's kind of the purpose of this podcast. So, I mean, if you want to take everyone else's advice, if you want to side with Keith here, who obviously believes that, then hit pause on this podcast, go play Outer Wilds. It's available. Uh, It's on the like PS Plus service. If you're signed up for that, it might be on Game Pass. It's also not an expensive game to begin with. Go play it and come back. That's another beauty of podcasts. We will be here when you're ready. This is definitely one of those situations where on my my podcast, I will give a spoiler warning, but I will not care about talking about it. And (laughs) this is one of those situations where I'm like, well, if you're going to listen to a podcast about the Outer Wilds, you better have played the Outer Wilds. (laughs) So I, I don't know. I only partially agree with that. I think that we can have a good conversation about what it's like to play this game, what's good about this game, without spoiling the story, which is what we're going to do. Uh, so we're going to save, when we get into the story part of the like non-spoiler part of this episode, it's going to be like, like 30 seconds long, and then we're going to move on to the next thing. Everything else, though, like how it feels to play this game, what the gameplay is like, I think that's fair game, so... yeah. 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 So we're going to be very, very um, sensitive to spoilers about story because that's like the whole point of this game is discovering the story. Everything else, though, you know, normal tales from the backlog policy as far as spoilers go. So getting into our histories with Outer Wilds and what made us want to play this. Keith, the guest always goes first. Can you remember what was it that made you want to play Outer Wilds and uh, kind of your brief history with the game uh, along the way i just bought it (laughs) that's that's kind of it i mean (laughs) if you want me to elaborate i guess so i was vaguely aware of outer wilds around the same time that this was announced outer worlds was also announced Mm -hmm. which that had my attention because it was developed by obsidian who uh did Fallout New Vegas and had done the first couple of Fallouts. So that was on my radar. I had no idea what Outer Wilds was, even up to and including to when I purchased it. (laughs) Um, And in hindsight, you know, I did buy Outer Worlds, and I kind of wish I hadn't, uh, because that game is... It's fine. 
It's like <laughs> the most okayest game ever made. And so I, I saw Outer Wilds on the eShop and or on the PlayStation storefront. And I was like, well, here's the other outer game that I heard <laughs> about. Like, I know it exists, so I guess I'm just going to buy it. And then I didn't play it for a while. It mm-hmm. wasn't until like 2021. It was it was January of 2021 when I finally did play it. So that's pretty pretty much my brief history of it. It was literally just like, well, I guess I'll just buy that other game. Fair enough. So when this game was released... I wasn't really paying attention to it. I had had never heard of it. Like, I really got back into gaming in, like, 2019. So I was doing a lot of catch-up on a bunch of stuff I missed. Like, I was playing, like, The Witcher and, you know, stuff like that during mm-hmm. that time. So I really wasn't paying attention to, like, what new games were coming out and definitely not, like, what new uh, indie games were coming out. It was like I'm catch. I'm playing The Witcher for a long ass time, and I'm playing like Near Automata and stuff like that. So then, like Game of the Year time starts to roll around, and people are like, "Game of the Year is Outer Wilds. It's not close. This is one of the best games we've ever played." And there were so many people saying stuff like that. People I really respect. So I was like, "Oh shit, let me get that." So I bought it, started playing it had a uh, pretty good time for a little while and then I got super frustrated with it and we'll talk about that a little bit later and I put it down and I put it into that category of like games I like what they're doing but games I don't like playing so I'm not going to play the whole thing so then I came back to it again like this year uh, 2022 because there was like this nagging thing at me like you got really frustrated. Maybe you can get past that part that was frustrating to you. And it turns out like the part that was really frustrating, I had zero issues with when I replayed it this year. So maybe I was just being a, you know, little smooth brained there. <laughs> I'm not sure. So that's my little history with it. I got frustrated with it at the beginning, uh, put it down, took a couple years off, came back, uh, really enjoyed it. The game took me about 20 hours to play. Does that sound right to you, Keith? Oh, man. I, I, are you talking about... Fr- I've played the game three times, so... Okay. So... My first playthrough... Yeah. I would say maybe, like, upwards of, like, 50 hours. Oh, a lot of time exploring um, that. So I didn't use a guide. Right. I just... It was just a game that I was playing in my free time. I had never even expected to even cover the game or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that was just something that I was playing in my free time and just playing leisurely. So it was up there. And then um, my second playthrough was just trying to see how fast I could beat it. Mm -hmm. And I had forgotten a lot of things. It had been a couple months. So I would say it was like 10 hours my second playthrough. And then for the playthrough for the show, uh, plus I played the DLC, uh, was probably like 20 hours. Because I did never play the DLC, so the DLC was like a good chunk of that also. So That's a good... Uh, good. I'm glad you brought that up. So this episode is not going to be covering Echoes of the Eye because I didn't play that yet. Uh, number one, because oh. um, I, 
I was just not... Well, let me just delete all these notes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play the DLC yet because I was like not in the mood for more of this quite yet. And most importantly, people told me it's really scary and that just kind of puts me off a little bit. So uh, I did not play that. It's on my wish list. And if it, it seems like it's meaty, like... Uh, at almost as meaty as like the main game, maybe a little bit smaller, but it's not like a, you know, two hour mm. thing, right? If you know exactly what you're doing, you could probably finish it faster than the vanilla game. Right. In the vanilla game, you could probably finish like in 40 minutes if you know what you're doing. Yeah, probably. But anyway, I didn't play uh, Echoes of the Eye. I figured if I do play that later down the line, I'll do a, I'll do a whole episode about that. Uh, but I'm I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, we won't be talking about that on the episode. Well, um, fuck, man. It's <laughs> really fucking good. I thought Yeah, that's right. that's what I heard. I mean, I I might bring it up. I'll try not to spoil anything for you. Yeah. Um if it comes up in conversation, it comes up, but I I'll keep it vague. Okay. All right. Cool. And to get into some kind of opening thoughts about Outer Wilds, uh, this is one of the more like kind of rewarding uh, exploration games that I've played in a long time. Uh, The point of the game is to explore and find out what's going on. And I think the answers that you get and the story that unfolds is really, really um, rewarding. Like I said, it's it's fun uh, to learn it's fun to read, right? <laughs> um, I had a good time uh, making all these discoveries and piecing together uh, what was going on in the world. Uh, the gameplay itself can be frustrating at times. I didn't have frustrations with the things that a lot of people complain about, though, with the game, which we'll get into. Uh, and then I have to say this out front, and we'll definitely get into it in the spoilers section, but there was a section at the end of the game that was so incredibly frustrating that it almost tanked my entire opinion of the game itself. But uh, it was not like so bad that I was like, nope, this game sucks. This invalidates all the, you know, 18 hours before this. It wasn't like, like that, but it's like, I don't know, watching Game of Thrones or something where like the ending of it is so frustrating that it kind of colors how you look at the parts that came before it. The story stuff at the end of the game is really good, but the gameplay was so frustrating that I like, when we get to it in the spoiler section, I'm my blood pressure is going to rise thinking about this. But so I do have to say that out front, but I still do recommend playing it. People, you may not have as much uh, trouble with that section as I did. Um, yeah. I don't know. Keith, what do you think? Well, I, it was my game of the year last year. I'm somebody who loves puzzle games. This is a pure like adventure puzzle game. And the way I'm trying not to like spoil things, (laughs) the way the story is so woven and interconnected with so many of the gameplay mechanics. And it's, it's kind of like, weird to hear you say how frustrating some of the mechanics were because i feel like that is a very crucial part of the game because just like in real life the universe is a very hostile and indifferent 
beast. Mm-hmm. It's a force of nature, like yeah, at its best. You know, yeah, to be to be clear, that was not what frustrated me. Uh, but I'll get into that in a little bit. And so, having this entire solar system as your playground, each of these planets are its own little puzzle box, and it seems. It's such a small game, right? Mm-hmm. It is such a small game, but would you actually like think about each location and the things on it, the way they created this like incredible sense of scale, it's unlike any other puzzle game I've ever played before. And it also really, it's really something that feels specifically targeted towards me because I wouldn't claim to be like an astrophysicist or something like that or anything like that, but (laughs) I'm totally (laughs) like into like space and science and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know at some point, and I don't know like what part of the development team um, this was, but I know they had somebody who did work in, uh, who was like an astrophysicist or something like that, or who had some degree at some point who actually helped design a lot of the mechanics in the game. I mean, it's not something that I could entirely explain, but it's, it's nothing that's so like out of this world, hard to understand or anything like that. It, it, the mechanics and the, the physics in the game, they make sense. Mm-hmm whether or not things go your way um that's i guess there's a lot of rng things that could possibly happen to you i'm sure my experience is different from yours and it's both of ours is going to differ some from somebody else's uh there are things that happened in this game that I'm, that happened to me that will probably never happen to somebody else uh mm-hmm. it's you got to be the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time (laughs) whichever one but i really think this game mechanically and and story wise uh, which i don't want to (laughs) touch not right now (laughs) it's really honestly like a master class in in game design it it really is all everything is married together so well and i know you didn't play echoes of the eye but there's some story things in that that i can't really it seems a little forced it's like oh so here's here's some stuff for the people in the back that didn't quite get it okay which is fine but um yeah as a whole i mean yeah it's it's a phenomenal game i love it it's a marvel and like the first part of that is I think that solar system that you touched on. So this is a good point to get into like what Outer Wilds is actually like to play. The main thing that I think is just incredible about Outer Wilds is the setting and this kind of solar system that they built. So like Keith said, this solar system is a working physics-based simulation. There is gravity, uh, that like different planets and the sun have different like you know strengths of gravity things have orbits that they fly in uh you are affected by the gravity of whatever you're standing on and the things that are passing by like for example 
if you're standing on something that passes nearby the sun, the sun's incredible gravity will pull you off of the surface of the planet. And it's all based on this physics system in the game. And all of these things are working on a timer as this is a time loop game. Uh, So like, this is just, I mean, this by itself would be incredible. But like, like you said, the story and things and events that happen in the game are tied into this system. And I had heard that, or I read that this game was like a, uh, it was like a master's degree thesis by uh, the kind of the main guy at the center of the game's development uh, to create, like, it was like a creative video game project, basically, that then people saw it and they were like, oh, this is incredible. And then, you know, people got involved to want to fund, make it bigger, make it a real game and stuff like that. But this solar system is really like, the like the heart of what makes this game really just a marvel like i said yeah i actually didn't know i don't know a lot about the development i know i think no clip did a documentary on it or something mm-hmm. like that right i didn't watch that i didn't do my homework <laughs> it's re- <laughs> it's really good uh another recommendation for a no clip documentary yeah so i that actually totally makes sense that this would be like some sort of thesis for this, for, for the director. Uh, I, do you know his name off the top of your head? Uh, I don't know. Oh shit. Bad podcasters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like you said, everything is on a timer, right? Right. And every planet, there's five planets and like one, I guess like satellite, uh, mm-hmm. is what they would typically call it. Uh, but it's like a, it's a comet, essentially. Right. Uh, but all of these things, all of these objects are doing different things as planets do. And, you, you know, you even have one planet that is drastically, drastically changing throughout the time loop. And you, you do have about uh, 22 minutes before the loop ends. Right. So within those 22 minutes... So many things can happen on these planets while you're not even on them. Mm-hmm. You could be on the other end of the solar system while on the other end, there's stuff happening and you can go there and go check it out. Yeah. But then by the end of that loop, if you go to that planet that you ended the loop on, it'll the planet could be completely different. Right. And that's like the next layer of like what is cool about this is that all the planets have their own kind of special you know thing that's happening on the planet and like you said that's happening whether you're there or not so let's say i I don't even want to get into it this is the fun of discovering like what it is but let's say like you discover some kind of state change on a planet throughout the time loop that's happening whether you're there or not so if you go there at the beginning at the time loop or at the end, uh, that thing is progressing. And so that's kind of part of like the, the puzzle of like, you know, figuring out like, I need to go to this spot, but late in the loop, it's inaccessible and you, you need to learn, you know, all of that stuff basically. And that's, that's part of the fun of like discovering this, this solar system. And like you said, they, they all have their own orbits. Mm-hmm. They all have their own gravity. There, there's a gas giant 
that you can visit and you can barely do anything. Uh, you can barely move because the gravity is so heavy there. Uh, meanwhile, there's, uh, some planets that you can go on. And if you're just walking around, you could literally just fly off the planet because there's like no gravity on it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's completely different depending on where you are. And like, like flying off the planet kind of gets me into like the other part. And you brought this up in the intro too. The other part that's great about this setting is that this is a super dangerous solar system. Like this is a game where you're discovering the story of something, but it's also a game where like, this is not, you know, a cute spacey, like have fun in space type of game. Like you're going to die all the time in various ways that make you feel like space is a dangerous place which like if you just look at the art style of this game you might think it's like this you know really cute just you know go out there and have fun mr astronaut like that but it's not really it's it's more like go out there and fly spacefaring is fun learning is fun but you're gonna die all the time because uh space is dangerous so like you'll run out of air you'll your autopilot will fly you into the sun, like directly into it. Uh, gravity will pull you off the planet's surface and you'll be stranded out in space. That'll happen sometimes. Uh, it's a really dangerous um, place to be, which is kind of how it should be because space is like the most dangerous place to be. You know, we've all seen Apollo 13 and stuff like that. Ooh, that's a dated movie at this point anyway you get the point space is dangerous in this game the other thing with the the design of the planets and the mechanics and also the the actual science that they put behind these mechanics the thing that marries it all together so well is just that it's like this organic sci-fi feel where like if you watch Star Wars, there's all these different planets with all these different uh, attributes to them and environments and stuff like that, right? So you always you got like a huge swamp planet or something. You got the sand planet and stuff right, like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of that. That's kind of what Outer Wilds is, but with the caveat of they've done the work, they've they did the math to kind of figure out what one of those planets might actually be like. Mm -hmm. So the gas giant that I mentioned earlier is super chaotic, super chaotic. They did the math to figure out what that's going to be like physics wise, which is astonishing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I want to go back to your point about space being dangerous. Something about, space also terrifies me mm -hmm. uh there's something about you know when you're with your friends or whatever and you're sitting around a campfire uh kind of like in dark souls all right there we go we can count <laughs> it we got it out of the way okay we're done now <laughs> okay um you're sitting around a campfire or something and you're in like the middle of the woods and you just you you look at the stars and when you're in the middle of nowhere you can see everything yeah. And did you just get this existential feeling of like, there's no way we're the only ones out here, you mm -hmm. know? And that's kind of a humbling feeling, but it's also very frightening because 
It's one of those situations that you're just like, is there somebody else staring back? And you very much, at least I very much felt like that in Outer Wilds, especially if you are trapped in the middle of space. If you lose your ship and you get flung off somewhere and with no way back, uh-huh. uh, that is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there are also some very intentionally horrifying things in this game as well, which we'll have to talk about in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. I would say that Outer Wilds is like the most like horrific non-horror game I've ever played. Yeah, there are there were some real like tight butthole moments for sure, like hundred uh, percent. And I'm me as someone who really does not like horror. This game got a little bit spooky sometimes. And so like when I said I didn't play Echoes of the Eye yet because I heard it's scary, I know what that means, like what that what that could mean uh based on the first game. And it's like, oh, that will actually be pretty spooky. So um another thing I really like about this game is kind of that so space is super dangerous, right? But this game also has this kind of rustic like camping and outdoorsy theme to like the setting and the people who um are not people the you know the characters who live on your home planet and the hearthians yeah it's it's a really interesting mix of like it's it's a very cozy game at points and then it's also like you know you're gonna die in a bunch of horrible ways out in space but also uh, when you wake up from dying, uh, you can just go sit down and roast a marshmallow and take a nap by the campfire and talk to your buddy right there. And so it's this uh, kind of this is an interesting like mix of uh, like tones sometimes. And I, I kind of think like this is clearly an indie game because if a AAA studio were to make a game with a functioning solar system like this, there would be this would get like focus tested out because people would be like, I don't like camping. And in this game, it's it's very clearly like the guy who uh, designed it at the very beginning, he likes backpacking. And so it's a big part of this game. And it's just something I really love about indie games sometimes where it's like uh, just much more human than a, a AAA game would feel sometimes. Uh, just thinking about this game in particular, if you want to make a game about spacefaring and the dangers of space and learning about some story uh, but also sit down and roast a marshmallow. It's, it's a very, it's very heartfelt in that way. Yeah. The, I'm glad you mentioned the coziness of the game because your home, the home planet that you start out on, it is very woodsy. It's very earth-like. Uh, yeah. there's almost seems like it's just like kind of like a ton of like oaks and redwoods and stuff like that. It's just covered in trees and your spaceship is also mostly made of wood and so there are those moments where i was talking about where you can be in some very frightening or dangerous situations and there was a lot of times where i was in my ship and i was in a bad situation Mm -hmm. but i would leave the cockpit and just walk around the ship because it is so familiar it feels like home it's that ship is kind of cozy. So, and it all has to do with the aesthetics of it coming from, uh, I'm blanking on the planet's name right now. Timber Hearth. Um, Timber Hearth. Thank you. 
the ship very much just is it's made of wood and it comes from that planet and so there's some familiarity when you're uh flying straight into the sun without any control (laughs) yeah so this is a good time to get into the extremely brief kind of story setup. Uh, you are from this planet called Timber Hearth. Uh, you wake up, you're a character that uh, you're not human uh, in this game. This game is uh, populated by non-humans. Uh, you wake up, you are the newest astronaut in your kind of little home society there. It's your It's your turn to get out there into space and explore. And this is something that like people are very proud of. Everyone's like, are you ready for your first space flight? Like, it's like a very small town vibes. Everyone knows that you're about to go out on your first flight. Um, and that is all the story I'm going to give. Uh, you go out into the world and you don't know what your objective is, uh, until you get out there and start learning. Uh, you'll get out there, kind of talk to some people, uncover some clues about what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it's, I'll stop giving details there, but I I do think this game does a a great job of like letting you find pieces in the order that you find them naturally. Because this is an open world game, you can go anywhere in the world you want. They will give you some like pushes out in a direction to go, like say, hey, maybe you know there's a signal coming from here. Maybe follow that signal, see what's there. But that's all the direction you're really going to get for a while. And then if that, yeah, you will find some clues. And if this game works for you, those clues will spark you on like lots of different paths to go explore more and learn more. And the point I'm getting to is that what you find there is either a satisfying little story nugget or a piece to explore somewhere else. And those were always satisfying. And then the way that the story kind of takes shape as you play and then wraps up at the end, I think is like very, very good. Uh, I I really love the way that storytelling is handled in this game. And I like what the story actually is. So that's all I will say, but I think this is great. Yeah. They really just, you know, you do your little thing on Timber Hearth when you start out and they literally just like go to space and you're like, um, Okay. Also, you know, you mentioned how satisfying it is to get these little nuggets of information and stuff if you find them. And I think the best dopamine rush I ever get is when you visit the ship log and then it shows you all of the stuff that you found. And it's Uh kind of helping you point you in the right direction. Yeah, Um, that's an excellent little thing that not a lot of people um realize is there i know i'm gonna give a little shout out on your podcast friends of the show mm-hmm. uh, but i know brian from list off uh started playing outer wilds and he had no idea that the ship kept track of everything that that you found uh which w- would be make playing this game a lot more difficult if you didn't yeah. have that you'd have to bust out the old school pen and paper and write everything down probably yeah and if this game released in let, let's say in a hypothetical world where making this game was possible in you know 1990 you definitely would have had to write down your own notes uh, back for then. sure i will say the ship log in echoes of the eye is awful that's <laughs> one part of the dlc that does not work 
for reasons. Okay. <laughs> for reasons. So yeah, that's a story. And like Keith, did you enjoy the story itself that you uncover, like the grand story? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next, yeah. next question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I can't say anything, you yeah. know, it's, it's one of, besides for this being a puzzle game taking place in space where you can basically go wherever you want. And then it also with what happens in the game, like I said, I feel like this game was made directly for me. The only thing missing from it is like metal music and waifu discovered too. <laughs> <laughs> So the gameplay in Outer Wilds is governed by this time loop. And again, this is in the Steam description for the game. I don't feel like this is a spoiler anymore uh, that there's a time loop. You have 22 minutes uh, to explore before the loop resets. And this is uh, a, this is an interesting one because it's a, it's a real-time time loop uh, as opposed to last week's episode, which was Death Loop, uh, which is kind of like a, you know... You don't. You're not. You don't really have time pressure in Death Loop. You have time pressure here, uh, not unlike Majora's Mask, but unlike Majora's Mask, you can't really like, you know, slow down time to give yourself like more time to explore. You have a pretty strict 22 minute limit. You can skip ahead if you want to, um, and since things are happening on a timer, sometimes like that is a good idea to skip ahead. Did you feel like pressure? from uh the time loop like did the specter of like the time loop running out like affect your gameplay at all or your enjoyment of it keith yes and no uh before i answer that there are parts of the game where time does not exist right that we'll talk about later yeah uh as far as feeling the pressure of of the clock at the beginning yes because there is so much out there to find right away as the game went on and i was just kind of meandering about the solar system kind of trying to piece things together i so much didn't i didn't really care all that much mm -hmm. but yeah t the first couple of hours is really just kind of like wait 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 one more second one more second yeah and yeah. just you're not even reading the the scrolls anymore. You're just collecting them all, so they're at least in your ship. So then you can go back to them uh, upon the upon the reset. So yeah, yeah those those first couple hours are uh, pretty hectic, but after a while, I just kind of was fine. Yeah, the thing that you realize is that the solar system is pretty small, and the planets themselves are pretty small. Like a lot of the planets, you can run from. Like you can circumnavigate one of the plant, like the planets in a couple of minutes, 
uh, especially if you're like jetpack boosting. I'm talking about on foot, not even flying. Like these are small planets in a small solar system. So the thing that I realized was like, if I like hit the end of the loop before I got to a goal, it would take like less than a minute to get back to that place. Like from waking up, getting in the ship, flying out to the spot where I was, it it's often like a minute or two. Yeah. That's that, and that's what I mean when I talk about the sense of scale. It seems so small, but once you're on that planet, it's dense. There's a lot. There. Yes, yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of secrets hidden in places like I can't really think of any of the planets where it's like this is just. I mean, there's a moon that's just a moon, but other than that, the planets themselves they got a lot of stuff in them, a lot of stuff to like dig in and explore, and it's. Yeah, it's just really good. And like, so as a result, I didn't feel this time stress very often. Uh, like you said, the beginning of the game, you definitely, you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I, I see something. I want to go see what that is, but the time's running out. You you get that. And then at the end of the game, there's a like a timed like sequence that you have to execute. And so you'll feel the time pressure there a little bit. But for the most part... Not really a big deal because hitting the end of the loop is, I don't know, it thematically is good. I, I like it in like the sense of like what you're trying to accomplish uh, in the game. I, I like that there's that time pressure. And the song that plays at the end of the time loop is just such a good song. So like whenever it yeah. kicked in, I got that like, you know, oh no, I'm running out of time man, this song is beautiful. Like every time it kicked in, I was like this, I'm, I'm sad the time is running out, but like, man, just take a listen to this song. Like, man, fuck. It's, it's like both, like it both causes panic, but also kind of like this calm washing uh -huh. over you where you're just <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I'm going to get a lot more time once this is over. Yeah. And like you said, a lot some of the planets, nothing's wasted in this game. Yeah. You're always going to find something, but there are some planets that definitely have a lot more on them and you're probably going to be spending a lot more time on than others. Mm -hmm. So whenever, you know, the loop did reset, I never felt like I was wasting any time until like the very, very late, late, late hours of the game where I was like, I am way too stupid to put these pieces together that I have. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's just kind of like a lot of wandering for 22 to 44 minutes, 66, et cetera. Like, you know, yeah. and, um, the, the, also the clever thing, which I, I think we'll also kind of talk about after uh, the spoiler wall is that the time loop doesn't exist just to be a game mechanic. There is a story reason as to oh, why. Yeah, yeah things are starting over. Yeah, I'm being a little bit coy uh, about why there's a time loop, but it's not just like, yeah, it's not an arbitrary time throw... loop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it just isn't just some thing that they're like, oh, it's a time loop game, so we got to put this in there. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to put that item, that's as far as I'll go. Yeah, for sure. Flying your ship in this game is uh, something that gets, I think, the most criticism as far as like gameplay goes. Uh, if I hear people complain about gameplay in this game, it is that they say flying the ship is difficult. 
uh, and I wholeheartedly disagree. I don't think this is difficult at all. If you don't have an understanding of how vectors in space work, sure, might be difficult. But because you, you have to control your, you know, your up and down thrust and then your forward and backward thrust uh, with separate controls. And you just have to understand how like acceleration and momentum and things work, uh, you know, physics wise. If you don't, then you're going to crash into a bunch of stuff and have a bad time. But I never felt like this was difficult. And there were a couple times where like uh, when you want to land your ship, you put on like a kind of down facing landing camera and you have to, you know, slow down your velocity so that you can land safely on the planet. That gets a little bit hairy sometimes. But again, space is dangerous. Landing a spaceship is probably very difficult. I don't have a lot of firsthand experience with that, but I can guess it's not <laughs> super easy to do. Uh, so like I didn't have trouble flying the ship. I actually thought it was really fun uh, a lot of times. Did you have trouble with this, Keith? No, uh, this isn't Kerbal Space Program. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever played that. I haven't, but I've heard. You want to talk about landing difficult ships. You want Even leaving the planet is hard in Kerbal Space Program. Mm-hmm. This is a very simplistic almost flight space flight simulator. It, it's yeah. very, very easy to grasp the concept. And one of the things that I, I even talked about in my game of the year episode is that they give you plenty of time to figure out how to fly the ship. There's a small tutorial section on timber hearth where you're in zero G gravity and the way your spacesuit works with the jetpacks is somewhat similar to the way the spaceship flies mm -hmm. and if that's not enough they even have a model ship for you to fly on timber hearth yeah not to mention once you do get in the spaceship you you're not really in a hurry to do anything so you can just fly around and just get used to doing that and by the end of the game i mean i was doing like fucking kick flips it was the best tony hawks pro skater game that wasn't <laughs> tony hawks pro skater man i mean i was just doing some crazy shit with the spaceship by the time but by the end of the game yeah and if you're there's an autopilot for the spaceship too and the game will even tell you like like you said the spaceship's kind of like low tech so the game will even tell you like hey kind of be careful with this autopilot like it's not perfect and uh, if you just set the autopilot, it will fly you in a straight line to wherever you're going. And if the sun is in that straight line, you will fly directly into the sun using the autopilot. But like, yeah, I, I thought that was just kind of a charming uh, piece of the game. Like, obviously, there's probably a programming reason why they didn't make it a perfect autopilot, but also it fits in like story wise, I think. Yeah, using... I've never, I don't think I've ever went to any of the planets without the autopilot. Yeah. I might fly like up to it, up to the planet, and then just kind of maneuver wherever I need to land. But I would almost never just willy nilly just fly free, freehand, free, <laughs> fly, raw, raw, fly, yeah, raw. never, never going raw. Yeah. Fly and like taking off from the spaceship is 
feels you get like a rush from doing it like the sound design when you're doing it the way it feels it feels uh, so good it does yeah like when i took my couple years break and then started the game up again and when you take off for the first time it's like whoa this is cool like i'm fucking taking off in a spaceship yeah and it's it's a very fragile ship as well i mean like i said it's it's mostly made of wood yeah. and so <laughs> There's a lot of situations where you might be out in the middle of space and you have to just go out in the middle of space, in the middle of nowhere and fix your ship. Otherwise, you ain't going anywhere. You are stranded. So that's also kind of a mechanic that you very much have to get used to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, your ship will get dinged up and you have to go out and fix some stuff. And there's a like, so everything is, again, everything's working on this physics system with like velocities going in all directions and stuff. And there's a button to match velocities with whatever your, you know, reticle is pointing at, which is super helpful. You use that all the time. Uh, but so again, it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm not when, you're, when you're out in the middle of space <laughs> and you're trying to find or trying to figure out how to fix your ship. I am constantly hammering on, on the X button to <laughs> match velocity. Yep. So you don't lose the ship. Same thing when you're trying to land on a planet or land on something else that's flying, you know, super fast uh, through space. You mentioned the uh, jet packing. Uh, so when you get out of the ship and you're in your spacesuit, you have a little jetpack thruster, which kind of operates with the same controls as the ship, uh, except now you're on a planet most of the time. So now you have to contend with gravity as part of your equation. And this game has some platforming uh, as a result of this this was what i got frustrated with uh the first time i played and it's i don't know it's not that like so upon further like play and thought it's not that it's like bad it's just sometimes there's some hard platforming uh, i thought using the jetpack uh with all of the other forces that are pulling on your character you know gravity and such can be kind of tough uh platforming wise and while you're platforming you have to manage your fuel supply you have to manage your oxygen and stuff like that so you can't just be out in space indefinitely uh, in your jetpack which again makes sense space is you're not supposed to be out there space is dangerous i would say you would never want to be away from your ship for too long you want to know exactly where it is there are a few planets that will just have oxygen and fuel tanks laying around Mm -hmm. but they're very sparse yeah and there are times where you cannot have your ship conveniently on hand or nearby because there are times where you're going to have to leave the ship for a very long time so yeah the the oxygen and and the jet fuel management can get Mm mm-hmm I don't want to say annoying because it's just it's just a very real part of space exploration so it didn't bother me that much in fact i mean it just i think it just created a lot of interesting situations where i'd be like well i've traveled as far as i can go now how in the hell do i get back to my ship <laughs> which is a whole other 
type of exploration on its own, depending on if, uh, you know, my ship's on the other side of the solar system. And sometimes yeah. that kind of stuff would just lead me to discovering something else that I had completely just missed uh, on my original, you know, walkthrough of, of what I was doing. Uh, a little touch that I liked in uh, like managing your oxygen and your fuel and stuff like that is if you run out of fuel, uh, then you'll start using your oxygen supply uh, as fuel, which really gives it's like a, a last ditch, like desperation move. Like you don't want to be doing this, but when it does happen, you do feel that kind of, you know, the climax of a space movie where like you're like, oh, shit, this is not going well. Let me see if I can survive this. And you do get into some of those like really uh, kind of gritty moments like that. Going back to the platforming, there were some... I think the only issue I had with the platforming was just on the gas planet, uh, Giant's Deep. And that's only because you can't really platform even though you have to in some in some <laughs> ways, uh, because the gravity is just mm-hmm. so, so, so heavy. Otherwise, yeah. like, I don't know, man, I was just zooming all over the place. And it, one, <laughs> one of the most fun things is when you're on the Ash Twins and your ship accidentally gets sucked up into the sandstorm. Uh, one of the things I always love doing is just matching the velocity of the... The, the planet's orbit, leaving the orbit and then landing on the planet of the other planet. <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of get into some, uh, some fun with the, uh, the physics system sometimes. Yeah. I'll tell you the part that I got frustrated with, with the, uh, the platforming in the spoiler section. It's a very like specific and, um, very spoilery thing that happened. So I'll let you know in a little bit. Um, the last thing as far as gameplay goes is that this game has a lot of reading in it. Uh, this is not a voice acted game. So if you're the type who like is averse to reading uh, in games, this is probably not the game for you because your discoveries and stuff, a lot of that is going to be uh, reading, which I think is cool. And this is a game about learning uh, what's going on, what happened in the universe. So I don't mind this, but I know some people don't like, you know, reading in video games. Outer Wilds may not be the game for you there, but I enjoyed it. Um, and I think the writing itself is uh, pretty good. Like, I I don't know. I never thought to myself, like, you know, that's... I never thought that that's, like, bad writing or boring writing. It's serviceable. And sometimes in indie games, like, sometimes the people that make indie games are not professional writers, and they are writing it because they are the only person to write it. And so sometimes indie game writing can be a little bit cringy. Sometimes, like very specific games. I'm not saying like indie games have bad writing as a whole. Uh, this game's not like that, though. Like I, I, gen- I generally enjoyed uh, the writing in this game. It's interesting because, ugh, fuck, you know what? It's spoiler territory. I can't even go there. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> Just fuck it. I can't even talk about it. It's a tough it. one. Tough episode. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the last couple things before spoiler time, which are uh, the, the music and the sound design in this game is very good. 
I mentioned the song that plays at the end of your time loop as very good, but like each of the planets has a theme um, and they kind of match the vibe on those planets. And I think that this game has a very good soundtrack. It's very um, kind of fitting with that outdoorsy theme. It's a lot of like instruments that you might hear around a campfire, you know, acoustic guitar, banjo, some simple drums, uh, stuff like that. I, I really enjoyed the, um, yeah, really enjoyed the soundtrack. Yeah, the, I just don't know what to talk. I feel like the music is very integral to the entire experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the music is very human. It's very like terrestrial, you know? Yeah. A lot of it is like kind of like this calming folk music. Uh, you know, going back to campfires and stuff. It, it's something you would hear like somebody just kind of like playing around on a guitar, you know, at a, a campfire. Yeah. And like you said, the, the planets have their own themes, which is there's a reason for that. Um, you know, visually, the planets have their own characteristics, which is they're they're just so creatively they're just so gorgeous but they also have that those audible characteristics as well which is very interesting yeah sometimes too you'll get in situations where there is no music and you can only hear like the sound of your character breathing in their spacesuit and that is uh after having all of this kind of warm soundtrack in a lot of the places that you're going uh, even when you're flying in space, the, the 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 music, the backing music when you're in your spaceship is calming and warm. And then sometimes that's taken away and all you can hear is the sound of your character breathing and you feel lonely and, uh, you know, stranded out in space. You definitely get that feeling just from sound. But sometimes design. when you are feeling lonely in the middle of space, you can just point towards any of those planets and hear something very familiar. Uh, I will say mm -hmm. that's also to true, go yeah. along with what we were talking about, how this game can be very scary. There's some very scary songs in this game also. And I, I wouldn't really call them yeah. songs is just more of like, again, it's just this ambiance. Yeah, definitely. Sound design and like soundtrack is very thoughtful uh, in this game. And, you know, the ones that are, you know, songs, as we might think of them, they're enjoyable to listen to. And then the ones that are more just like, you know, soundscape or, um, you know, ambient music, that stuff is really fitting for where you are and what you're doing in the game. So, yeah, very thoughtful, uh, very enjoyable. I talked about that feeling of taking off in the spaceship. I really love just the sound design and the power behind uh taking off uh, in the spaceship right. it's yeah it's just it's a great sounding game and you talked about the visuals like this the planets are not like um you know mass effect planets that are just kind of these anonymous like you know barren places that you're only there to you know take minerals or something or go into like one you know raider camp and take them out or something like that all the planets here are like very lovingly visually designed uh, as well as like you know game designed they have a lot of character uh, like you said 
it's almost like the planets are their their own characters uh, yeah. in a lot of cases. Yeah. Good stuff. Let's get into some kind of final thoughts and like who we would recommend Outer Wilds to before we get into uh, spoilers. So Keith, guest again, guest always goes first. Final, who would you recommend Outer Wilds to? Like, it's very clear that we think this game is very well made, but I don't think this game is for everybody. So who would you personally recommend it to? I mean, I would recommend it to anybody. Honestly, okay. I... Fair enough. <laughs> no, because we haven't been able to go past towards just being vague. So I ha- haven't really gushed about this game that much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even talk about this without spoiling anything. <laughs> so Outer Wilds is like a deeply personal game for me. It is like a game that came out like at the not came out. I got the game at the right time, essentially, in my life. Yeah. And, like, this is going to sound stupid two years out. It's going to sound very cliche when I say that 2020 was a real bad year for me. You don't say. Uh, it's a bad year for, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was just a lot of very personal things that I was dealing with on top of the pandemic Mm -hmm. being in full force, obviously, and all the social baggage that comes with that. Uh, So even though I didn't play Outer Wilds when it came out, and I didn't even play it in 2020, uh, I played it in January of 2021, which is just on the other side of New Year's, which, when you think about it, is when people believe that we wipe this non-existent slate clean and start things fresh and whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to outer wilds, like story wise and mechanically outer wilds is a very complex game. It is a wildly adventurous puzzle box, which I think would suit somebody who is very much looking for a very good puzzle game. A lot of puzzle games don't even bother to put a story in there. Right. And the story is interwoven into the mechanics. Um, Visually, the game is breathtaking. There are some just, we haven't talked about them yet, but there's some like very physically like powerful, almost like stomach dropping moments in this game. Yep. And if you are super nerdy, you know, it blends like this retro sci-fi aesthetic with like some actual, like real life science. And it marries all of that stuff perfectly. And I don't know how the fuck they did it. And it's a game that reminds you like, no matter what, like the character that you play as in outer wilds, right? doesn't matter 
the universe does not care about this character that does it. And again, that space is just indifferent to whoever you are. It doesn't care. It is a meticulously crafted game. And, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a great space simulation without being as mathy as like Kerbal Space Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't want to say it's arcadey, but it's very much a, a video game, you know? Yeah. But again, on top of that is just this fucking incredible story that we will get into. Uh, it completely caught me off guard with just how, how great it is. Um, it, it's a story that's, bleak but there's hope right it's so it's like it reminds you that it's always darkest before the dawn right which is something i something i forgot about in 2020 honestly and uh having played this game just after all of that even though we're some would say we're still in it it was magical for me you know yeah and that's all I'm going to say right now. Um, yeah, I I don't really care who you are. I feel like you should just pick up this game. <laughs> yeah. There's a specific set of like people who play video games for like casual enjoyment that I, I don't know if they're going to be able to like really dig in and like really love this game on like, you know, the level that I think you and I do. Not that there's anything wrong, of course, with just like, you know, playing casual games for casual enjoyment that's cool engage with it however you want to i i I feel like a lot of people who are listening to a show like this though are playing games because you love it as like an artistic medium and the way that video games can tell stories in ways that other media can't really is something that i really it's like you know it's the it's the reason i play video games and i don't watch movies uh, when i have free time Uh, because I just like the way a video game can do it. And Keith, you've said this a couple times throughout the show, but the way that Outer Wilds made this clockwork solar system, made these mechanics, this physics system, and then made a story and a storytelling like uh, style that all perfectly fits together really does give you these like incredible like you said, stomach dropping moments at some point uh, throughout the game. And so like when I think about this game, I don't really think about how much I enjoyed flying the spaceship or something like that. Like, you know, another another, another video game set in space, you might think like, I really love flying the spaceships in Star Wars Battlefront 2 or something like that. That's not really what I take away from this game. It's like the thrill of discovery the thrill of like finding out what's happening and then also the thrill of what's happening actually like you're discovering what's going on, but the stuff you're discovering is also really, really good all tied into like this, all parts of this game. I think they come together really, really well. So like if what we've described doesn't sound like a game you would like, then like, you know, trust yourself but I do kind of agree that for people who really love video games for what they can offer as an artistic medium, as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, paintings or film or TV or something like that, then Outer Wilds, I think, definitely should be on the list of games to play. 
And when you think about how small the team was that worked on it and how many people, like, at the beginning, it was just, you know, one dude uh, working on this thing. And more and more people got involved and eventually, you know, published by Annapurna and stuff like that. But this feels like an impossible task for a small group of people. Um, students at that, too. Like, this, these are game design students. These are not seasoned game design professionals that made this, at least not in the early, early stages. So it, it really is. It's just like a kind of an incredible feat. And the game is good. That's like the, the, the key thing here. So yeah, big ramble, but great game to sum it up. Yeah, I, it's more of an experience than it is a video game. It gets video gamey at times, but as opposed to a lot of games that I play, the gameplay itself is not what I take away from this. It's the, like right, you said, the experience, right. the discovery, and how it all ties together, which we're going to get into in the spoiler section coming up. But before we get into spoilers, Keith, uh, where can people find the Main Quest podcast? Well, on this very podcast app that they're listening to your show on or website or RSS feed, uh, just search Main Quest Podcast. Uh, you can find me on all major platforms and whatever indie platforms there are. If you want to get a hold of me on social media, I'm very open to conversation. Maybe you want to talk about more Outer Wilds. Always down for that. Yeah. You can message me on Instagram. That's the main quest on Instagram, separated by the line thingies. I can't. Thank you. <laughs> and you can also hit me up on Twitter, and that is... I know my socials, you know. I've only done this like a million times, but it's been five months almost. At underscore main quest. <laughs> <laughs> Through the power of editing, that will not have taken two minutes of your time. Right. And people can check down in the show notes uh, for all things main quest. Um, I have uh, given it my recommendation many times in the past, but it's a show that I listen to high up on the priority list every week uh, of podcasts. There's so many people making great uh, video games podcasts, and the main quest is one of those for sure. So I highly recommend it. And uh, again, like I always tell you, Keith, I'm very excited to hear you talk about games that I like as you get into newer and newer games. <laughs> Actually, I'm very excited for you to get into the N64 era because I have big I have big N64 opinions and I don't cover a lot of N64 games on this show. So I'm excited to hear you kind of revisit those. Well, hopefully by the time this comes out, you will be on an episode of a game I I think you might like. I'm not sure. I don't know. We talking about Mario? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that game, but I, I also have opinions about that. It's a, it's a weird one. So well, I can't wait. Yeah, Main Quest Podcast. Everyone check that out. For Tales from the Backlog, uh, ways to support the show, please hit subscribe if you haven't already. If you've enjoyed this episode so far, please consider leaving a rating and review if your platform allows it, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, stuff like that. And as always, the best thing to do is to tell a friend and... Uh, 
people react poorly to recommending podcasts, uh, especially. But uh, if they are your real friend, they will not disown you for recommending a podcast to them. Please recommend. That helps out a lot. Tales from the Backlog has a Discord server, and if you want to come in and talk Outer Wilds with Keith and I and other people, other cool people in the Discord server, I recommend you do that. Good times. I also have another show called A Top 3 Podcast, where each episode is a top three list about some topic, uh, kind of random topics, sometimes video games, but most often not. A lot of food talk on that show, which is where we're really in our element Feel free to check out a top three podcast. I think that's a good time. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's spoiler time for Outer Wilds. Okay, Keith and I are back, and we're talking spoilers for Outer Wilds. And man, we we cut the spoiler thing like real early, uh, even before like the oh shit moment. Like I debated whether to mention about the know my mask that turns and looks at you in the museum as you're leaving, like in the tutorial. Yeah. Uh, but I decided not to because that was a like big moment where I was like oh, this is a cute thing. I'm going to go out in space. Um, oh, they taught me how to use my jetpack, And uh, yeah, you know, very uh, normal so far. And then suddenly this like mask in a museum turns and looks at you. Things get real like spacey wacy for a second. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, what the fuck was that? And now <laughs> like your curiosity's peaked and you're like, okay, let, let's go. Let's, let's go find out what the hell's happening here. So can I ask you what, what was the first thing you did when you left Timberhearth. Yeah. So I went to, um, uh, brittle hollow because they, I think they tell you to point your like signal scope out into space and you'll hear, uh, the dude playing the instrument, the guy who's kind of trapped under like the layers of the crust there. Right. So that's where I went first. And this is why I quit playing the game the first time because of the black hole mm-hmm. inside And you're platforming like on these like wooden platforms and sometimes they just fucking break and then you fall down into the black hole and there's a way to like reset the loop as you know, but I didn't know that and I didn't have it at the time. So that got super frustrating because it kicks you out into space and you're like, you have to jetpack your way over to that white hole station and that just happened to me over and over again. And I, I don't think I was in the headspace of just like, you know, if you hit resistance on one planet, go someplace else. Because this was at the beginning of the game and the game's first like tip was telling me explore Brittle Hollow. So that was the first place I went. And that's why I quit the first time, why I got frustrated with the platforming. All in one. Interesting. 
because my first thought was, well, the closest thing near me is Adelrock, which is Timberhurst's moon. Yeah. And that clearly has no atmosphere. It doesn't look very big. Like, and I barely know how to fly the ship yet. So I figured that was probably going to be like a good area just to kind of fuck around and try and land on. And so that mm-hmm. was the first area that I went to, uh, which doesn't have a, a lot of stuff on it. Uh, but you do get a little bit of dialogue from one of the NPCs that that's on the planet yeah, or on the moon, I should say. So this is why, like, I don't think the spoiler section here would be like a beat by beat thing, uh, because we probably went at this in like totally different orders and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that black hole was like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of bullshit the first time that like, I felt like the game was pushing me to that planet and it turns out that that planet, Brittle Hollow, is like one of the more hostile planets in the uh, Well, they don't <laughs> necessarily the push you towards any one planet, though. They just no, they they don't like go. push you. But someone says, uh, someone says, like uh, this other explorer, I forget his name, but the guy that's there, they said, like he went out into space. Maybe point your scope and find that and then follow what you find so that was to me that felt like the game pushing me toward that planet first which is not 100 percent true i know that now but that was what i felt like at the time oh okay okay i gotcha i gotcha so the one thing that we kind of skirted around before was the the time loop but we didn't well, mention what happened full disclosure i knew that was gonna happen oh, you just fucker. from like <laughs> you would know <laughs> i mean i i didn't like spoil myself on it but i did you know i read a couple of reviews and people mentioned that and honestly i was planning on saying that in oh. the non-spoiler part here but then i forgot so uh but yeah going supernova uh, the supernova explosion like looks incredible and sounds really good too like it sounds dangerous as fuck so like yeah. when when that yeah. first happened I was like, "Oh, wow. This is uh number 1, this is cool, but number 2, did you ever try to like run away from it like that's going to fucking do anything? Like I definitely did." Dude, yeah, I would always just like I would try and go through if I was like on um Brittle Hollow, I would just immediately dive into the black hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just kind of wa- watch it from like the very outer edge of the solar system. So for me, like the first time I encountered the supernova was again just that mix of just terrifying awe, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because again, I was on Adelrock. I was still on Adelrock and I was exploring the ruins that are there. And all of a sudden the music kicks in. And I'm like, oh, okay. This must be a sign that I'm that I found something important. Maybe I found some sort of progression because uh, within those ruins is just kind of like a lore wise. They used the Nomai used those ruins originally used the ruins to try and find the, the eye, the right. Is it just called the eye? I can't remember. Yeah. The eye of the universe. The eye of the universe. Yeah. That's what they're using. Yeah. So they're using it to try and find that. And I was, there's stuff you can do in those ruins 
And I was like, oh, there's something I have to do here because this music is playing now. Like I'm clearly doing something right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then all of a sudden everything goes black. Everything is black. All you see is just space. And I'm panicking. And in my panic, I, you know, I'm moving the camera around, like looking like what is happening, what is happening. And then suddenly like this giant bluish white light source appears and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, what the fuck right. is happening? Mm -hmm. And then you just wake up at the campfire again. Uh, yeah. It is just one of those because I went into the game completely blind and it one of the many moments that I will never forget from this game where I was just like, I can't quite put together what just happened here. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it would have been really, yeah, perplexing like that if you did experience it in that way. I knew there was going to be a supernova though. So uh, one one like really memorable thing I had with like the kind of the physics system uh, of the game before, like I didn't want to mention this before, but like on Brittle Hollow again with that black hole, I had landed my ship on some like outer part of the crust. And as the time loop mm -hmm. progresses, the crust starts to crumble and fall into the black hole. And a piece just broke off and took my ship down into the black hole. And <laughs> you have like that little marker on your, your, uh, your HUD that shows yeah. where your ship is and how far. So it was like suddenly like ship, 50 meters, 100, 200, 400, 500, <laughs> 7.5 kilometers when it gets sp spat out at the other end of the solar system. And I was just kind of standing there like I imagine my character like with his mouth open, just like, uh, what do now? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you have like, I don't know if it was the same for you, but every time I go into that black hole, I have that stomach dropping feeling because it is such an un unnatural thing to do. Just like, well, I guess I could just got to jump in this black hole now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a uh, little bit of vertigo uh, when you Definitely. jump in there. Definitely. Yeah. Cause it is very disorientating, uh, disorientating when you jump in because everything around you is getting all fucked up. Yeah. But it, mechanically it serves as like, kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say fast travel in the way that like you can go from place to place using this black hole. You are just spat out uh, at one end of the solar system, but next to the white hole is this giant station, the white hole station you mentioned previously, which has a teleporter on it, which sends you directly back to brittle hollow. So uh, it, it's somewhat helpful. Um, it's, not super helpful like game it's just getting you back to the place where you were before but it's a really nice like gameplay addition to not be super to not have falling in the black hole be like a, a death sentence basically you right can get that, back. that's what i was saying yeah but also like plays into the story really well because that's like the heart of what the nomai were discovering uh that was like the the first part that led them on this like big quest uh, that they were trying to do. Uh, so like if you're listening it's, and it's been a while, the Nomai realized that upon entering the black hole and exiting the white hole, there was a little time delay and they, they, they are a very science driven uh, people. They were a very science driven people. I guess, I don't know. 
you're listening to this and you're not going to play Outer Wilds, the Nomai were a um, kind of species of alien that is you're just finding their writing all over the place and you don't find any of them for a long time. Like this is the the mystery that you're working on is what happened to the Nomai? Why did that happen? And also like kind of what does it mean for me? Um, so the Nomai very technologically you advanced are... as a in contrast to your species. Go ahead. I was just going to say you are just finding a lot of their corpses most of the time. Yeah. Their corpses and then their their writings. Um, they seem like they communicate through writing uh, with each other. So you're picking up on that. You have a little translator that can help you with that. So they're trying to like use this, um, you know, this anomaly or trying to understand it uh, in hopes to like find the eye of the universe, if I'm remembering that right. And mm -hmm. like, so they're trying to point a kind of orbital cannon to shoot like a vessel to the eye of the universe. And so what they realized is that it would just take them too long to get it right. You know, threading the, the needle in the middle of space would just be impossibly difficult. And also, I think the eye of the, the universe works on those like quantum mechanics like the moon uh, does, the quantum moon. So they created this time loop in order to give themselves enough time to get this right, basically. Keep testing, keep discovering. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that uh, this is like part of like this big red herring in the game that I thought was really good. You know, the first half of the what happened to the Nomai question is that they created this time loop and by uh, using the energy of a supernova, they could uh, extend this to uh, 22 minutes, which is your time loop. And so it gives you this feeling at the beginning that the Nomai are the bad guys, that every mm -hmm. fucked up thing that's happening to you is their fault. And that's not true. But for the first, like, once you discover what they were trying, and then, so I'll say like the middle third of the game, maybe, you think this is their fault. And I was like, uh, first of all, when I found this out, I was like, how, how could they, you know, stuff like that. But then when I found out that wasn't true, I thought that this was just like, really awesome uh, that they set up this red herring like this. This is one of those very gut-wrenching, like impactful moments that I love is when you get to the sun station, which is mm -hmm. intimidating all on its own because once you first teleport there and you open up the emergency hatch and you have to fly over to the other side and there's just nothing below you there's there's just the sun it's just the fucking sun <laughs> you know it's <laughs> right there and uh you, you fly to the other and then you find the writings and you actually find what happened and they had attempted to have the sun go supernova but it didn't work right and you're like what the fuck happened and then there's actually really no way for you to leave the sun station so you are just kind of the developers intentionally have to basically they just make you sit there with the corpses with this revelation that they in fact haven't 
done anything and that you find out that the universe is actually is just dying. Yeah. So like this is not an artificially created supernova. This is just the natural end of your sun. And I thought, yeah, I just I, I love that red herring. I loved first when you begin the game, you're kind of fascinated by the Nomai because they're so much more technologically advanced uh, than your species, uh, the Herthians. And then you get this and or you get the information that they were trying to create a supernova and you're like these motherfuckers. And then you find out that they failed and then you find out what actually happened to them like much later in the story. And it's a real roller coaster. Uh, again, really like the way that they could give you all of these nuggets in such a nonlinear way, but have it coalesce into such an affecting story is like, it's, it's really incredible. Like, this shouldn't work. Like I'm, my brain hurts thinking about how they would have had to make sure that this all works in the way that they intended. It's really, really crazy. Yeah, I have <laughs> no idea, dude. It's in fucking ingenious. It's so good. So, again, they tried to make a supernova. It failed, but the sun goes supernova, and it kind of kicks in this time loop so they succeeded in making a time loop but they failed in you know their mission to get to the eye of the universe so that kind of like becomes your mission uh, to get there they did find it but they died they found it but they couldn't they couldn't get there right yeah they they got uh painfully and like uh yeah painfully close to it but they they couldn't get all the way yeah so like you actually find out the opposite of like the Nomai being bad people. You, you find a log and like, I, it's possible to find these out of order, I think, or maybe they strategically put some of these logs in places that you can't access until you would have already gotten the information. Um, so you go from this swing of like the Nomai being horrible to uh, the Nomai actually were really good they took steps to make sure that they wouldn't hurt this primitive life that they found on Timber Hearth, which eventually became you. Uh, so, again, it's that that swing, like, fuck the Nomai, this is their fault. Wait, the only reason I'm here is because they were like, nope, let's uh, let's not, you know, strip mine the hell out of this planet. Let's leave enough for them so that they can grow up, evolve... Uh, have enough resources to become a spacefaring species as well. Uh, yeah, just really interesting the way that they played with your emotions with all this. And there's, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you don't meet a Nomai until, you know, much later in the game. And that's optional too. Yeah, there's a very good chance you might never meet them. Mm-hmm. And that's whole, you know, the whole quantum moon thing and the quantum physics thing is all very over my head i understood it on a very <laughs> basic level because throughout the game they show you multiple times this mechanic of yeah uh, if you are not observing the object or i should rather you should always be observing the object because if you're not it will move right which very much comes into play when we talk about the quantum moon. Um, yeah. We can talk about that now. Cause that's a little like side plot. That's, I feel like it's 
it's either entirely optional or it's mostly optional to like get you to get the a quantum very moon. good chunk of information if you do figure it out oh yeah you you get an incredible payoff if you do figure it out and that's the, the quantum moon stuff was like the only thing that was the only part of the game that i had to like actually look up because i did, I did not too. understand the polls um even though i yeah. i know they give you that info like playing through it now um having played through it twice more i should say i know they do give you that information but uh, yeah. my first playthrough i was just like how the fuck do i get through this tower uh because what what happens is eventually you reach um there's is it the quantum tower or it has a name the nomai gave it a yeah. name but it is this tower that lets you traverse uh through the the quantum the quantum moon essentially um but in order to get to certain parts of the moon you have to travel to its different poles which is something i just did not understand uh, when yeah. i first initially played the game yeah, I needed a guide for that too. It was just a little bit too complicated for me to kind of puzzle out naturally. So I needed it's a guide very too. Very complicated. But I really liked like I figured out, you know, um early on they they're kind of giving you the information on how to interact with the quantum moon kind of piecemeal like you you start out and they're you figure out it disappears if you're not looking at it but your camera counts as looking at it. So if you mm -hmm. take a picture of it and keep your picture up, then it won't disappear um, and stuff like that. So they're giving you that. And then you, you get into like the quantum, it's like quantum training tower or something where they give you more uh, information on how to do it. It was just a little bit too much though. So I needed some help. Um, I used a guide and then, it was definitely worth it though, because you're following the breadcrumbs of this this other nomai who is trying to go there, and so you're following in their footsteps through their training to get there. But I just assumed that they were dead the whole time um, because all the other nomai are dead. Why would this one be alive? Um, did you think? Did you think that too? So, I mean, after the conversation, it's kind of clear what happened to him but i mean when you when you get there you do see his body so that was oh. one of the things where i was like when i finally did come walk up to him and he was alive and i'm like what the fuck is happening here yeah i i should rephrase i did not expect to be able to talk to a nomai uh, when i got to the uh, oh the, the, yeah I no arrived and i there. and even at that point like i was Everything about the quantum moon is ten thousand percent unsettling, yeah. and so then already on top of walking up to this nomai, I'm like, "What is going to happen? Like, do I even try to interact with this thing?" Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, they, I think, I think, uh, like canonically. The, the character is a, is a woman, it's a she, a female, but she says that she's basically your friend or whatever. And yeah. And by the end of the conversation, she's like, I don't even think I'm alive. She said something yeah. like, I'm just a ghost. 
Yeah. And it has something to do with once you are on the quantum moon, you become quantumized or something. Yeah. Like, uh, it's parallel universes almost. And so that's why every time you go to a different part of the quantum moon, you might see a, the same body, but it's a different body. And in each of those realms, one out of six of them, she survived. If that makes sense. It does not, but that was how, <laughs> kind of how I felt <laughs> playing the game too. But I tell you, man, like when I can't, I think you like come over a hill or a little like crest or something like that. And when you see the Nomai standing there, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, what do I do? You know, I did not. It was like seeing an alien, you know? Yeah. 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 And so you're like, you don't know how they're going to react. You don't know anything about what's what's about to happen. Right. But you have a really nice like sweet conversation with them where they are they kind of say like um you know oh i remember you uh your you know your species you made it you you did it you made it out into space and stuff like that and then yeah she she at the end i i think you're right i think it's a she but they tell you like you know i'm not really sure if i'm alive or not right here and that was kind of like oh that kind of sucks because you know uh, i'm gonna be alive uh, i'm I'm gonna keep on going but it seems like they're kind of stuck there but they mm. have this kind of curiosity about what's going on so they they don't seem super like defeated by it they're more like i'm gonna keep learning while i'm here kind of she's happy to know that somebody else is going to be going to the eye mm-hmm that I think that I think that gives her hope, quest. which I think is a, like a very good parallel to the DLC, uh, which can't really. That fits in with the end of uh, the end of the base game too. Uh, kind of right. that hope that like you know this didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to for me, but there's hope for the next. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. So, with what actually happened to the Nomai. Um, I had a really hard time with the comet, like inside yeah. in the ghost matter. We didn't really talk about ghost matter uh, a lot. I don't love ghost matter uh, as a thing. I don't like that it kills you instantly, instantly. I feel like you don't encounter it too much throughout the game, but when you do, it's like, oh fuck! Now I gotta like re. I I have to reorientate myself and and kind of come up with a different strategy as far as traversal goes it it just it became like whenever i saw ghost matter i was like oh fuck i'm gonna die here at least two times i'm gonna have to fly <laughs> back here and it got into tedium a couple of times and i think the worst part is inside of uh the interloper the comet oh really which makes sense because that's the source of the ghost matter but it's like you're going down you know tube slides uh and then sometimes it's just like oh you you're supposed to go on the one on the left the one you went down uh full of ghost matter and you can shoot your probe in to find ghost matter but like i still died a couple times uh on that but it makes sense that there's a ton in there because it's the source of the ghost matter right so okay so this thing at some point in the story if i'm getting this right yeah explodes 
And this is what kills the Nomai. Yeah, it came into the solar system. It introduced, I don't know if it exploded or crashed into something, I'm not sure, but it introduced all the ghost matter into the system and killed the Nomai. Yeah. Okay. That's not, yeah, because that's what I didn't quite understand was how the ghost matter got everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, again, I, I'm not sure if it exploded. Oh, it, it probably did explode because uh, when you're inside, when you see the big, you know, mother of all ghost matter crystals right. uh, and you see the Nomai, there's a log where they say, like, the this thing is under intense pressure. So then why is it still around? Good question. Because, because the Nomai... <laughs> The Nomai died like hundreds of thousands of years before the game takes place. So they died a long time the ago. Yeah. Comet still there. Good question. I have no answer uh, for that. That's what I really, I could not wrap my head around because I was like, so they died. It got everywhere, but also the comet is still here. Cause it, it even, I don't, I don't think it fits in the time loop because it would have blown Maybe. up already. It would have been, it would have blown up before that. I don't know. Fuck. I hate time. <laughs> All right. So what I, okay. Theory is, um, the crystal that they're looking at kind of looks like it burst out in one direction. So maybe the comet flies in, it gets close to the sun. The sun exposes like the inner layer of the comet. Cause it melts the ice. Right. Yeah. Maybe the, crystal of ghost matter like partially exploded like a mount saint helens explosion out the side or something like that sprayed ghost matter all over out of the opening that's created by the sun melting the ice covering the comet and then the comet is on an orbit so it's just coming back again and again and again maybe that's what's going on Mm. i'll accept that theory thank you uh, I am. I will accept my uh, Nobel Prize in physics anytime. But inside of that, when you see the, um, you know, the logs from the Nomai that are in there, that was one of the first like very sad uh, Nomai things. I think. Yeah. Because these were the seemed like the um, some of the main Nomai characters, and the, definitely the ones who were at the head of some of like the experiments that you've been reading like you read a lot of these logs from i think there's one named pi and stuff like that they're mm-hmm. kind of the ones that are like heading this you know sun station time loop uh launch cannon development and then you find their bodies inside of this and it was one of those situations where it's like they went inside the comet and then once they figured out that what was happening it was too late they they had no shot and one of the logs kind of says that and that was a uh, Kind of sad because you you got to know, and I I assume most people would have gotten to like these characters. They seem like very likable uh, characters. Then you find out what happens. It's a very similar moment, I think, that's kind of like the Sun Station moment where, except that I feel like this is a lot more heartbreaking, whereas like the part of the Sun Station is kind of like this huge story revelation. The stuff on the interloper is, is the name of the comet. The stuff that happens inside there is you are trapped. You can't get out of the interloper. You're trapped right. just like they were. And you're in this, around this very, very 
giant pit of ghost matter and there are just these know my bodies you know floating around in zero gravity Mm -hmm. and they're almost perfectly preserved they're not skeletons like the other ones and this like very light piano is playing it's so fucking heartbreaking man it is it's so visually heartbreaking and your only way out is just gotta kill yourself start the loop over yep and then another detail that i thought was cool like once you find out that this is what killed the nomai the ghost matter finding out or like maybe piecing together that your species survived because ghost matter is inert in water and your species was an underwater uh, species at the time so that's why you survived i didn't even know that yeah You get a you get a log that says like ghost matter is rendered inert if it's underwater if it gets wet or something mm-hmm. like that, and you find a nomai drawing of your species. Um, you know it's you because of the number of eyes in the drawing. Uh, your character has three eyes, I think, four eyes. Can't remember. Uh, four. But anyway, you want to know four. something? You want to know a little tidbit? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So we have four eyes, right? Our characters are. Uh, alien race four eyes no my right. have three yeah the i don't know if there's like a name for the race uh i just know the developers call them ghost birds so the ghost birds in the dlc have two eyes okay and then you have the eye of the universe uh-huh outer wilds 2 will have uh you playing characters with no eyes then Put some Bloodborne in here. (laughs) Grant us eyes. So two tragedies with the Nomai, and the first one is that they were so close to succeeding in their mission, uh, but just this thing that's totally out of their control came in and wiped them out, right? The ones that are in the solar system. And then the ones that go into uh, Dark Bramble following the Eye, uh, their story was super heartbreaking too. But before we get to that, I really like how the game tutorializes some of these kind of wonky spacey things you know they tutorialize how quantum stuff works really really well by just giving you these random rocks and they tutorialize how the dark bramble works uh, well too by having that that dark bramble seed fall on your home planet Mm -hmm. and then you find you can hear your uh, one of your like astronaut buddies you can hear their instrument single through the, signal through the thing, 
and you can shoot your probe in and suddenly your probe is like forever away out in the universe. So then by the time you get to Dark Bramble all that time later, you understand how this works and it makes the, you know, the end of the other Nomai, like the the ones that went out on this expedition, it makes the way they died super, super heartbreaking. So let me ask you this. What scared you more? Going to the core of Giant's Deep or going through Dark Bramble? Dark Bramble, for sure. Okay, see, for me, it was going to Giant's Deep's core because I have that water phobia oh, thing. Yeah, I uh, I had to look at a guide to get into the core of Giant's Deep. Yeah, uh, that was the... Yeah, that was that was the other part I had to look up a guide for because when I first landed on Giant's Deep, I was going way too fast and I went underneath the water and there was a jellyfish there which freaked the fuck out of me. Yeah, you don't expect these... to see things that are alive in this game. Dude, and underwater in very dark water. Uh, yeah. Dave. <laughs> and, and i'm freaking out because i'm like what the fuck is happening and i touched one and then all of a sudden my ship just completely loses power and i'm basically fucked on giant's deep essentially yeah. i was just basically kind of stranded there because it's impossible to do anything because the gravity is so heavy yeah so when i was going through dark bramble and you come across the dead jellyfish and you find that that note that was left behind where one of the i think it's a herthian that leaves the note behind uh is like oh yeah it's like safe inside the jellyfish yeah and i kind of was like skeptical because i was like is this like a joke that the developers (laughs) are playing on us because i was like i touched that jellyfish and my ship was fucked also, I know how jellyfish work. It's not safe inside of a jellyfish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I'm like is I don't I don't trust this. And so for the longest time on, you know, the ship's log, it was like outlined like, you know, giant's deep core question mark in, in known like in a picture and I was just like, "Well, how the fuck?" Yeah, because when you try to just get there in your ship, all you see is, which is also very frightening, is just this giant black orb, you know, as the core it's like underneath a, this it's water. It's like a ball of electricity or something. Yeah, like. it's fucking freaky, dude. And yeah, yeah. I had I had to look up a guide to figure out how to get under there because I just didn't, I didn't trust what the game was telling me. So I didn't see that log that tells you about how it's safe inside jellyfish. I didn't see that until after I had looked in a guide because that, I think you get that information pretty deep into dark Bramble. Like when you find your, you know, the other Herthian that went inside. It's after you find the distress signal from the um, escape pod. Yeah. So I didn't find that information before I was like, I have to get in the core and I don't know how I'm just going to look at a guide because I don't know what random place in the solar system is going to give me this one specific piece of information I need. Uh, I thought it was cool, like figuring out how to get under the current and like using the other, you know, the counterclockwise tornado and stuff like that. We haven't really talked about those like puzzles like that. There's so many 
little mini yeah. puzzles you have to solve, and they're all just so satisfying to figure out uh, how to do it. Did you do that the correct way? I Well, I did because the first time, I mean, I went to Giant's Deep. I didn't notice anything different about the tornadoes. Um, so I explored and then I left, but I found the, you know, the station, the Nomai station where they're researching this and they, they have a the little demonstration. Yeah. The yeah. observatory. So I, I did figure that out the intended way. Yeah. I, so we talked prior to the spoiler wall, we talked about how much time you will spend on any given planet. And Brittle Hollow is one of the planets where you're going to be spending a ton of time on. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had to get into the observatory. I just did not know how. <laughs> and so I kind of, and this is one of the things you could totally do if you figure it out, if you're good, if you, I guess, fly the ship well enough. I, I waited until like, I don't know, 15 minutes in when Brittle Hollows, you could pretty much just fly right inside of it. Mm-hmm. And I, fl- I flew my ship like right underneath the planet's crust right into where essentially where the the path leads to the entrance of the observatory underground and just mm-hmm. jammed my ship like right up in the fucking like crack of that thing <laughs> and like jettisoned myself out of the ship so that I would just fly like right like against the wall and like hit a ledge. And lo and behold, there's like actually a path that you have to follow where because there's these these glowing crystals that allow you to basically defy gravity and wall on and walk on walls that the Nomai developed as, as a way to get around the, the black hole. Didn't know that. I didn't know that. I just <laughs> stubbornly just shoved my ship all up in that planet. <laughs> got in there. And that's how I figured out the whole tornado thing uh, prior to actually getting to the core. Yeah. And I like how this game does that where like, you know, your knowledge is what allows you access to a lot of these places, not like unlocking some arbitrary thing in the game, like, you know, doing something so that it flags to open this door somewhere else on this planet or something like that, like rarely happens in this game. It's mostly your knowledge. And I think like you said earlier, like if you know what you're doing, you can beat this game in less than an hour. For sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can do it in one loop, but you can definitely do it real fast. Oh, speaking of um, time loops, just going back to the Quantum Moon real quick, that is one of the sections where time completely stops. And I'm glad it stops. Yeah, because you're going to be spent. You're, that's probably one of the most heavy. I mean, we talked about it heavy puzzle intensive areas or whatever that you'll be and in. It's so. also, it's also a time where like, can you imagine if you got to that Nomai with like, you know, yes. a minute and a half left? They want you to sit down and have this like, you know, revelatory and incredible conversation with this Nomai, you know, the thing you've been chasing the whole game and then time runs out. That would have fucking so sucked. Undercut. Yeah. 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 So the very good decision for them to like not have time pass and like, you're standing on a quantum object and they say you've become quantum yourself. So like whatever time doesn't function there. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes enough sense. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) let's talk about dark bramble. Okay. Yeah. I think we're about there. Yeah. I, uh, I think this 
ending sequence to get to the eye is uncharacteristic for this game to suddenly have to do this incredible like sequence of events to get there. So you have to wait five minutes for the sand on the Ash Twin or the Ash to uh, uncover this station. Then you have to run in, do the teleport trick, get in, grab the like the warp drive or whatever from the um, the station there with all the masks, get in your ship, fly into Dark Bramble. And um, I love the concept of Dark Bramble. And it's a really scary place where like, you know, space doesn't mean anything in there. Things are bigger than they should be. A real House of Leaves type situation going on in there. Yeah, it's a very cosmic horror. It is yeah. this otherworldly thing that took over a planet and completely destroyed it, just decimated it. Yeah. So I like that. And the anglerfish are interesting. Uh, definitely scared the fuck out of me the first time one killed me. Like, yeah, extreme same. jump scare for me. But doing this last loop. So like, how many times did it take you to do this? final sequence of events to get into the like the launch station um the launch like the the mothership inside dark bramble yeah insert the warp core and get into the eye of the universe so uh maybe two or three times so the problem i had with it was once you get inside the ship and you have to so the way you enter the coordinates into the ship yeah. is you highlight or you basically put your cursor over this little ball and you just have to move the ball around a, a track, essentially, and enter the coordinates. <laughs> just how all, all know my technology works with the most fucking weird, like, you know, move a ball through a track when they're the most technologically advanced species yeah. that's ever lived. That's how you open their all their doors and stuff. Yeah, it's... Yeah. So that's how you enter the coordinates. It was frustrating for me because you're also space doesn't exist inside dark brambles. So it's, there's no gravity at all. Right. And so I'm really fighting with the gravity, with my jets. I'm fighting the, the physics of moving that ball around. Uh, that was really frustrating. That was not a fun part because again, you're, you're fighting with time. How long has, has it been? You know, since I left uh, the Ash Twin project, you know, so that was the annoying thing. Getting there wasn't so bad because in a lot of ways, I have already kind of been doing the same thing throughout the entire game. Like you take the, um, you know, the city on the Ember Twin, for instance, where you can only see most of that city for about. 13 minutes before it's covered completely covered in sand right so Uh at the beginning of a loop i'm rushing to the the ember twin as soon as possible so it's same with um you know brittle hollow sometimes rushing to brittle hollow like right away so there's already been numerous times where i've kind of just been doing these mini speed runs to certain areas because i know that if i don't get there soon enough i'm going to miss some some sort of vital information that I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- the fact that it's timed is not really what gave me trouble. Like 
one time I died while inputting the passwords and that fucking sucked. Uh, but like that only happened one time I died. No exaggeration at least 30 times trying to get through dark bramble after picking up the key, like after picking up the warp drive. So 30 times I waited five minutes for that station to uncover, went in, got the key, got in my ship, flew to dark bramble and died uh, to the anglerfish. And this even taking away some, that's just me being impatient. Cause that's what that, that section is all about. Be patient. Don't touch your thrusters or whatever. You have to line up your stuff really well and then just coast for a long time. And yeah. I just like could not figure out how to do that by myself. So I tried it about 10 times by myself. No guide. Um, cause I was able to find the no, my, uh, the no, my grave, they call it. I was able to find that by myself. Um, but then getting to the, you know, the mothership, as you said, let's say I died about 10 times by myself. Then I looked at a, like a written guide for what to do. Died at least five or 10 more times. And I am mad. I am mad, mad, like doing this, like this fucking sucked. Um, I think I texted you. Yeah, uh, you did. As I am, as I'm prone to do just saying like, Hey, fuck dark bramble. Fuck this. Um, and then I still couldn't do it. So I went and just watched someone do it on YouTube multiple times. Like I would watch them. I would try it. I would die. Watch that video again, try it. And I would die. And finally I did it. And you're supposed to have this like wonderful, like, uh, I just overcame this like horrible thing. It, you know, like fighting a difficult boss in a game that kills you a bunch of times. You're supposed to have this, like, I overcame this. I feel victorious. And I didn't feel that. I was like, that fucking sucked. I hate this right now. Like, and then you go straight from that into this, like, really wonderful ending. But I was still like, my blood pressure was still up from how much I hated going through Dark Bramble. Because you just have to be too perfect, I think. It was super frustrating. Doing it on the timer, too. Knowing that, like, you have enough time, um, I think, to get the thing, if you do really well, not not like speedrunner well, but if you get the thing, get in your ship, fly to Dark Bramble, and go through the obstacle course at a good time. Not speedrunner stuff, but not, like, inching forward. You'll get to the ship with a couple minutes left, a couple minutes to orient yourself, find the room, put in the passwords, etc., etc. But time is ticking, and I died a couple times inside the ship, and then it would take me 10 more tries to get back to the ship. And, yeah, I just fucking hate this. Like, in a game that was so wonderful up until this point, I fucking hate Dark Bramble. It was, like, the least fun thing by far about this game. Like, least fun, least rewarding, least, uh, you know... Ah, uh, uh, fuck it. I'm. I gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, I think the inclusion of the anglerfish is. It's kind of a weird decision, because Dark Bramble's already pretty scary by itself, especially yeah. when you, you know, you have the signal scope out 
you're searching for the right frequency and all you hear is just this like ambient droning it sounds absolutely it's haunting it's yeah. haunting and you can't see a damn thing in front of you it, it's 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 like flying through silent hill <laughs> you know all right uh, so here's here's what it is and I, I kind of got in my like emotions there for a second and forgot like what it is that's actually so frustrating about it is that when you die it means you when you die against the anglerfish it means that there will be 10 real minutes before you can try again. Like, cause you have to, or like, uh, at least like five real minutes before you can try again. Cause you have to go do some other shit before you can get back into dark bramble. Oh, and try before. Again. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cause you can fast forward time. Yeah. I was going to say, I, yeah, I started yeah. doing, but I don't like if they put a checkpoint at the beginning of dark bramble, that would be weird, you know, in the scheme of how everything works. Right. And I wish that, you know, I, I was going to say, I wish that they would just let you keep the warp core that you pull out, but by pulling that out, you stop the time loop. So that wouldn't right. make sense either. I think we're just kind of stuck with this section that I think sucks. Yeah. I didn't have any <laughs> problems with it at all. Honestly, yeah. even flying through Dark Bramble, I never, you know, obviously I had problems with it the first time when i didn't know there's gonna be fucking giant angler fish in there sure um, which i think is just again i just kind of think it's a weird addition the, the section before you get to the ship like the last angler fish section where they're, they're just right there shitload of them and yeah. they're right there yeah and it it took me some time the thing i saw in the youtube video that really helped me was to just get out of the pilot seat like, oh, go into the thing with enough velocity so that the ship is going forward and then just get out of the pilot seat and just don't fucking touch anything. Oh, until, I OK. Until you can stop hearing the anglerfish, I think they said. Uh, I think it I think is what actually worked. That was what unlocked it. I would not have thought of that by myself. So, you know, it's funny. We talked about. Well, at least I said that the ship feels very cozy. And in a lot of like very messed up situations, that was kind of my like warm blanket to go to. I mm. would. So it sounds like I just kind of stumbled into that technique ass backwards because I would be so freaked out by the anglerfish that I would leave the cockpit and just kind of hang out and just hang out in the spaceship because it felt cozy it felt familiar you know you know what i mean yeah it's just one of those weird video game things that i did well i mean that's it's it's cool if that's what you discovered interesting i didn't even know that that was a a valid technique um i don't because i it's not something i do all the time either it's just I have nothing else to do because I'm moving so slowly. <laughs> right. Someone else, fe I mean, someone had the idea that like the key in the anglerfish thing is to just don't make any noise by using the thrusters. So get out of the seat so that even if you hit R2 on accident, you won't hit the thruster. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I never um had an issue because it's like when, you know, you're flying through dark bramble on your first visit 
like I said, do you figure out there's absolutely no gravity? So before you even get into any of these little, you know, multi-dimensional pockets, you just go full, full throttle, put, put your thrusters all the way up. And then right as you get to the, the entrance, just let off and just kind of coast. Yeah. And it just took me a long time to figure out when is it safe to touch the thrusters again? You have that threshold where like you have like the little pips that light up as the thrusters get stronger, like maybe one to five. And they you figure out like I can use the thruster at level one, but if it goes to level two, then it's too loud. The angular fish will see you. Mm -hmm. And it was always like, when is it safe to touch it again? Oh, shit. I went up to level two on accident. Now I'm dead. It's going to be, you know, several real time minutes before I can come do this again. If you are a real G, you can outrun the anglerfish if you get a certain distance away from them. Like even if you're like close, still close enough that they'll get you, you can still you're still able to outrun them. Your ship is faster There's, than them. There were a couple times where I could hear the anglerfish making the like "I'm gonna fucking eat you" sound, and yeah. I was able to get into a portal on time. Um, but yeah, uh, let's talk about that. No my no my grave though before we get to the ending. This is one of my I don't want to like favorite because it's not like a fun discovery to make, but it's one of the most impactful kind of things to discover. I think um, following these nomai that went into dark bramble because uh, they, they found that this was the best place to like, um, you know, shoot out, try to find the eye of the world or the eye of the universe. The eye of the world is a wheel of time book one, the eye of the universe. So they crashed and they're trying to like, get through they sent out like a, a probe to find a safe place or to find the uh, sorry the uh, the mothership and they found it but because of that thing where like if you go through the portals it can put you in two directions right they followed the wrong one uh, so they followed it to a very tiny portal that they couldn't fit through and so by the time they got there they were out of oxygen and they all just died because they followed you have two signals and they followed the wrong one and uh that was uh you you just see all their bodies floating around it um and again you you should like the nomai at this point and you're kind of following them too because they're leading you to your ultimate goal and yeah this was a really sad part of the game yeah i don't i don't have anything to add i was thinking <laughs> I was thinking, though, and this is something I wanted to bring up earlier, just real quick. Did you break space-time the space-time continuum? I'm not sure. What do you mean? Did, did you get an abrupt ending where you broke space-time with the black holes? I don't think so, no. So there's, um, there's a secret ending that you can get, and it's when you discover one of the, one of the labs on, um, I think it's on the Ember the ember twin and um they have a lab set up where uh, the nomai were first experimenting with the the black hole and the white hole or whatever and there's a probe there that they use to just kind of send back and forth but if you manage to send the probe into i think it's if you send i forgot how it works because physics <laughs> right <laughs> uh but if you manage to like create two different probes using the black holes 
all of a sudden the entire like your entire screen will just it's almost like somebody threw a rock at your flat screen almost hmm. and the entire universe will collapse on itself and then everything will just go black you, you know you hear your character die or whatever because character has the sound design of them gasping or whatever and the screen goes black and then just a title will say you broke space time and that's it that just boots you out to the title screen <laughs> it's interesting start all over it's fucking bizarre you check it out on youtube or whatever it's it's very very fucking bizarre yeah i'll have to go check that out so the ending i think we should get into the ending and then wrap this up really going through like the beat by beat of the ending but like you know you you solve the puzzle in the mothership you shoot out the beacon you um are able to like uh get into the eye of the universe things get really spacey wacy end of 2001 a space odyssey like that for a second then you come out and you're in like this empty forest and i mean the whole the whole thing of going to the eye is for me was fucking horrific <laughs> at yeah. any moment i was like i would say it's more cosmic horror than space 2001 space odyssey uh it is something again just the it just goes to the art design and art direction of this game or it's just like i'm not quite sure what's happening or what i'm looking at but anyway yeah go ahead what happens after you <laughs> drop down through this one of many portals. <laughs> so you're at like the end of the universe, uh, basically, right? So you're in like this forest and you have that sequence where you have to um, follow the instruments and get your uh, your buddies, uh, the other astronauts. Um, like you find their instrument and then they appear at the, the campfire. And um, I don't know, it it's kind of just like a, a trippy end sequence until you start gathering the instruments to get all the the people and i wasn't quite sure what was happening which is cool because i just entered the eye of the universe i mean why would i know what to expect exactly yeah but uh you you know have one final song around the campfire uh, with your buddies really fits into this you know again like the camping theme of the game and stuff like that and uh you have the option to roast a marshmallow very like symbolic marshmallow at the end of the universe uh type of thing right yeah i I think the way the game ends is very it's the polar opposite of everything we had experienced up until that very moment because you know like we said this this solar system is incredibly hostile right and then you find out the Nomai kind of might be the bad guys. You go through this whole roller coaster um, of emotions, you know, uh, finding out what is actually going on. And then you find out like, oh, no, the universe is dying. Like, this is it. Like, everything is coming to an end, you know, and it, it should be stated, like, when you do enter the coordinates in the mothership in Dark Bramble, once you are teleported out of Dark Bramble, you are far enough away from the solar system that you see the sun go supernova one last time. You see your solar system die. Right. But this time you've survived. Um, and then you go through the whole 
after you see that, you go through the whole emotional coaster of the eye, and then you are going through this bizarre scene, like you said, through the woods, finding finding your friends that you've met throughout the game to do this mm-hmm. song one last time. And, um, you know, the Nomai that you meet on the quantum moon is there. Right. And is just basically being like, yeah, no, this is it. This is, this is the end. And we're all here to observe the end, but Hey, look, all this other stuff is happening. All this, you know, all this other life is beginning and we're going to yeah. be here to watch it. And that's from what I read. I think that's, um, not always the ending. It's whether or not you found the Nomai that, uh, determines whether you right. see life beginning again at the end. And furthermore, there's a, there, there's another different ending if you have the DLC. Oh, right. Uh, but you have to play it in a specific way. I did not get that ending because I played the vanilla game again before I played the DLC. So I played it. Okay. Flip flopped it. So gotcha. So I like the kind of symbolic, like, I think you said earlier, like the universe doesn't care about you really at all. You're pretty insignificant. All you're really doing here is learning about what's going on. You're not changing the fate of the universe here. You're just kind of, you know, you fast forwarded in time until the end of the universe. So the universe is ending. There's nothing you can do about it, but you're here with all the, you know, the people you met including the Nomai, you have that final song together, you sing, uh, you, you sing the song, you, 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 sorry, everyone plays the song, you roast a marshmallow at the end of the world, kind of one nice final moment, then you see the world end, and you kind of get that hope for the future. And like this ending is a little bit more, well, it's more optimistic than my own personal beliefs, but I, I thought it was a nice ending after basically a whole game of just finding depressing revelations about what have happened to yeah. the people you've been kind of following. And then mm-hmm. you get this hopeful thing at the end. It's kind of like the ending is suggesting that life will be better for the next, you know, set of beings in the universe, right. which is not something I personally believe at this point in my life not as like a given thing. Uh, it's kind of presented in this game as like, it is, it will be better. Um, but it is a nice ending for sure. Yeah, I'll say as somebody who's I'm very cynical, I'm very cynical. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I love the idea of things being better once I'm gone, you know? Um, am I certain of that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't know. I I really don't know, and I think that's a deeper conversation for another podcast. But I I really enjoyed this ending a lot, and like I said, it I mean it hit me, you know, at the right time in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, we keep talking about how indie games and their writing can be really fucking heavy handed, and they're really trying to nail a nail you over the head with their themes. And this game doesn't do that. There's not even really 
a hint of positivity in this game at all up until the very end. You know, I don't think it's corny or terribly presented like a lot of other indie games. No, I think it's presented well because what we just talked about, like that idea that things will be better for those that come after you, the game doesn't tell you that. Like there's, it's not really a character that just straight up says that. You kind of get that feeling at the end when you see the, I think it's, it's even just a picture of new life on a planet. Which is, and so you, you think you just watched the end of everything. And then it turns out that's not necessarily the case. And that gives you a little just hopeful note to end the game on. Yeah. And the music, I mean, it is a sensory overload, that ending with the music that's playing and that song that plays. Yeah. Yes. It's so, so incredible. And yeah, I think uh, Outer Wilds really sticks its landing. And that final image that you get of, the new life and the planets being formed. It's my desktop image at work. So it's really an incredible image. It is. Yeah. All that being said, I was still mad from spending (laughs) literally multiple hours trying to get through dark Bramble. So that like when I watched this, I saw it and I appreciated it for what it was, but I'm imagining a different scenario where I didn't literally spend multiple days of playing this game trying to get through Dark Bramble, where this ending would have really like rocked me emotionally. We had such opposite experiences with this game. (laughs) As it stands, I, I got to the ending and I saw it and I appreciated it and it was a nice kind of moment. Definitely like the campfire scene was a a nice moment, but I was again I was only 20 minutes removed from finally beating the thing that caused like just a ton of frustration. So like it yeah. I feel like it didn't hit as hard as it did for most other people uh for me personally. Not to say that I wasn't able to appreciate it and I've had some time to think about it since then and the frustration from Dark Bramble gets less and less because I'm not currently doing it <laughs> and then the appreciation for the ending grows as I think about it some more, even if I don't, even if it doesn't perfectly line up with my uh, beliefs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So that is Outer Wilds. And man, we, I, I, we could go for like an hour more talking about just interesting things that happened on. The yeah. I have and- like notes on here where it's like, <laughs> Hey, what's some like really crazy stuff that happened to you? And Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I talked about my ship falling in the black hole while I was exploring. The only way I knew it was like I started to see the ship marker on the screen start to fall. And I was like, oh, no. So I turned around real fast and just helplessly watched it fall into the black hole. That was cool. I got sucked up by the, uh, you know, the sand vacuum on the Ash Twin a couple of times. Sure. And that was like, wait, 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 no. (laughs) I think I think I talked about actually most of these. The only two I didn't mention were DLC things. You got to play okay. the DLC, man. Yeah, I I'm once I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say about that. Yeah, once I kind of get the courage to play something that I know is going to be scary, I'll I'll play it for sure. They, I like this have, game enough that I will. They have an option in there to turn scary off. Do they? They do. 
which was like okay. that was whenever I started any game, I always just go into the options right away. And I saw that. Sure. And I had no knowledge that the game was supposed to be scary. And I was like, what the fuck does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. then from then on, I had sweaty palms the entire way. And um, that's all I'll say. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess just as a closing thing, like this game is interesting enough and I do trust the developers enough with like kind of their vision for what this Outer Wilds thing, uh, what they want it to be is great. So like the DLC is definitely, um, it's on my wish list and stuff like that. I just need to be in the mood to play more of this and also be in the mood for something potentially scary. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I don't um I don't often think of like when I think of greatest my greatest games of all time like my favorite games of all time rather like putting a list together I don't often think of that because it's almost an, an impossible task but Outer Wilds like without a thought would be on that list for me at some point so yeah it's even if it's it's not on my like favorite games of all time you know, because I did have some notable frustrations that I've mentioned. Um, it's if you just think about it as a game, what it tried to accomplish and its like success rate in accomplishing that, I think it's like an, an absolute home run of a game for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, I had some frustrating experiences, but yeah, sure. definitely, yeah. definitely great. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, dude. It's been a blast talking thanks about for having me Wilds. Back. Yeah. Of course, you're welcome back anytime, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for the next game that comes out of the backlog.